Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sunday to you. 10.07 on a very, very chilly Sunday, January 21st. Good morning. Uh, it is, man, it is cold out there. <laughs> I thought the weather was going to be a little bit warmer this morning. I'm actually in studio today. So I came down to the studio. I parked my car on the street in, in downtown Minneapolis. And, and like so many of us, we're like, okay, the warmer weather's coming, right? It's not today. It's tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I made the mistake, Pete. I was freezing out. Gosh, it was cold. It was cold. I can't imagine <laughs> playing football in this weather. It's cold here. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's no. I'm just. Kidding. Are you in Florida? I am in Florida. Uh, it's not cold at all. I'm wearing my Dolphins shirt for you, just to kind of give you a little extra accent to the whole thing. But uh, I appreciate you, know, you twisting the knife a little bit. It's it's sunny. There's some waves crashing out there yeah. right now out in the Gulf, and uh, yeah, it's not so bad. But I I, I will tell you this: uh, there was a lot of controversy this past week, and I love the way Tampa's head coach. Uh, handled things when yeah. he had some of the folks in the media asking him some questions that were a little bit odd. <laughs> what questions Specif- stuck out to you? Like what, what was odd? Oh, the one that stuck out most was uh, I won't say even gender or anything. Cause I don't want anybody to come running at smart me, move. Yeah. Some, somebody asked him a question about, Hey coach, how do you feel about being a warm weather team? that's going to have to go up to the cold, frigid north up there in Detroit and blah, 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 you know, and this went on and on and on. And then finally he just kind of stared him down and said, well, last I looked, this was a dome stadium. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, when, when you're an NFL football player and it's the playoffs, and we see it all the time, right? It's, mm-hmm. We saw it with when the Chiefs were, you know, the freezing cold game a couple weeks ago. You still see the big offensive linemen in no sleeves. Like of these course. guys are. Does it really truly matter? I mean, we're getting a little off the topic of the football, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, me, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm 44 years old, soon to be 45. If it, and I like to run outside sometimes, but I'll tell you, if it drops down below 50, I am out. I do not <laughs> want outside. It do, does it make a difference when you're playing football? And you played in Tampa where it was warm when you it, go to a don't... cold weather place? Yeah, it only makes a difference when when you let it make a difference, right? I mean, you know, the reality is these guys all probably at some point in their college careers have played somewhere colder. Right. <laughs> They've probably had a game, even if they're from Miami or Fort, La- you know, wherever, or, mm-hmm. or you know, any any of the southern schools that have had great weather and all that. But you always have to go and have a Michigan game or an Ohio right. State game or an Oregon game, and you're playing in some sort of, you know, climate that's a little bit more difficult, but. 
It is interesting because that was a Bud Grant thing. Uh, you know, the, the, yeah. I think that that was something that did get lost. And everybody wants to have a dome because then if you have a dome, you have the possibility of hosting a Super, Super Bowl, Bowl, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, it's all about money, Dave. No matter how you break it down, it's Isn't always, it always? Be about money. <laughs> it's always about but, money. But it's interesting because Buffalo uh, understands the advantage. And yeah. I don't know that Kansas City necessarily had an advantage, but this one's right there in front of us. Did you watch any of that game? And if you did... The Dolphins did not want to be in the cold. Yeah. And whether it's the quarterback himself, who definitely did not look like he'd looked all year long, right? They all kind of, they all sort of folded in the temperature and the wind and the cold. And Kansas City's playing in it, so they've got to play in it. But, you know, Kansas City accepted it, and and the Miami Dolphins didn't. They wanted to be somewhere other than in Arrowhead Stadium well, yeah. uh, last week. And I mean, listen, <laughs> you know this as well as I do. Yep. These athletes, and and I'll sound. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, get off my lawn at the same time, and I'm gonna <laughs> hike up my pants a little bit. These athletes are so coddled anyway; they never have to. They don't have to do anything. You know, no. they play in temperature controlled facilities that are huge and and have every amenity they want. And all of a sudden, then, and I know maybe they practiced outside a little bit, but I don't know how much you can simulate that uh, if you're in Miami. <laughs> to, to get to Buffalo, but they're coddled, Pete. They're soft, yeah. and I, it's true. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you go to a place like Buffalo, where and that stadium is an absolute dump. I've been there uh, <laughs> when it was Ralph Wilson, and I think Highmark is the same as Ralph Wilson, right? Did they just uh-huh. change the name? They didn't rebuild. They didn't rebuild the whole thing. If they did, it was minor. Uh, it they're outside that, either way. <laughs> that stadium was a dump. The weather is yeah. terrible, but. You can't prepare people for that if they're not used to having to deal with a little bit of adversity during the week because these guys are just they're soft, Pete. And I'm saying this as I'm a five foot nine, uh, you know, two ten, never played an, a, a, a professional sport in my life. So take it with a grain of salt. But they didn't. These guys are softer than when you played. That's for sure. Oh. Gosh, yeah, they really are. I'll tell you, I, I still go back to the last time I remember seeing Bud Grant walk out onto that field and I, in short I sleeves. Say, you had short, yeah. short sleeves. And, and it, it was so classic Bud because that's who he was, and he stuck with who he was. Yeah. And he walked out there with the short sleeves. It was as, it was as cold a day as you could ever imagine, and, he, and he's strolling out there. So, uh, you know, the, he, he did believe in the whole mental side of that thing. Yeah. And we had the L.A. Rams. Back then, they were the L.A. Rams. They've been every city in the country, it seems like. But they would come here. Jack Snow and those guys didn't want to play. They didn't want to play in the weather. And – Vikings would win, and the Vikings would go to the Super Bowl and unfortunately couldn't win that one. But it always got them to the next level. Uh, it's going to be a little while before we see the Vikings in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that. And watching <laughs> a little bit of – I watched the 49ers and the Packers. I didn't catch all of the uh, Texans and Ravens yesterday. I caught some of it. But it made me realize just how far at this point, how far away the Vikings are from a Super Bowl and that it takes more than just one player. But I wanted to talk a little bit with – you, Pete, about that Packer 49ers game last night. And I'm curious also because it was a day where the Timberwolves lost. Uh, There's no Vikings football. The Wild have been up and down. So I wonder if if for you as a Vikings fan, and and honestly the larger portion of our audience are probably Vikings fans too, does it make your day when when the Packers lose? But, you know, I mean, and, and that's part of this discussion here. And I was honestly, I was rooting for the 49ers last night. I was watching it. 
But I was only rooting for them because I really love the story of Brock Purdy. And I mm-hmm. do. You know, he's Mr. Irrelevant. And I know it wasn't his best game last night. But I, watching him play, he throws a really pretty ball. He's he's remarkably accurate, I think. Um, and he also has phenomenal tools around him, which I don't know yeah. if Jordan Love had that last night. But I also – my opinion of Jordan Love didn't change at all after last night. I still think he's an, he's an outstanding quarterback. And for people that want to and – I've, and I've heard this over and over that, that, wow, it was a terrible last throw of the game. You know, he should never have made that throw, never made that throw, cross his body, blah, blah, blah. You know where I've seen that throw before? From Aaron Rodgers – and Brett Favre, both in green, and Brett Favre in purple, New Orleans' Tracy Porter. It's the same thing. So just because he made one bad throw in the postseason where they needed him, I, that doesn't take away to me anything. I still think Jordan Love is an outstanding quarterback. And I have to, you know, swallow it because I was a guy who was very negative on Jordan Love when they, were, when they, when they drafted him in the first round. I didn't like it. Uh, he sat around for a long time, obviously sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. You're hoping he learns a little something. He started off this year, not so great. But then all of a sudden he proved many of us, me included, proved us wrong because I thought Jordan Love in the second half of the season really looked outstanding. And not just good, I mean outstanding. In that Dallas game, he was putting the ball where it needed to be. He put up all those points, throwing it, moving it around to a lot of different receivers and so forth. So uh, hats off. And that was against a really good Dallas Cowboy yes. defense, right? Yes. And, and, and and now all of a sudden you're going up against the 49ers defense. And there were times where he looked a little shaken, but there were a lot of times where he looked pretty good. I thought they, they ran the ball well. I thought, uh, you know, Aaron Jones, and I, and I say this every week, if you got a running game, you've got a shot to win a game, a yeah. really good shot to win a game. And, you know, the problem for the, for the Green Bay Packers was that the 49ers and Brock Purdy they came to play too, and McCaffrey is incredible. probably the best player I think. Now, is he the MVP? He could be. Yeah, I mean, I, it could, it, it's a real argument be, there because it is. It, it, as good as uh, I'll tell you what, Lamar Jackson is unbelievable. Yep, right. He he can do it all, and the fact that he's a quarterback that runs the way he runs is unbelievable. But McCaffrey can throw the ball, he can catch the ball, he can block, he can run, he can do just about anything. He can do special teams, whatever yeah. you ask him to do, that kid will do, and he's amazing. But you know, it's funny because Brock Purdy had a pretty good game. You know, we, we're all kind of looking at, well, he threw a couple of passes yeah. that were pretty, you know, he didn't throw any interceptions. He he had his touchdown. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, if we want to, we could break it down. You brought up Favre and, and, and Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to be do something probably sacrilege, but uh, <laughs> Brock Purdy kind of has a Joe Montana. Team. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and here's why. Come though. on. Here's why. Here, okay. I, I love it because I know you guys will push up against it. So here's, here's what I got for you. I did this little research okay. beforehand. Joe Montana, 6'2", 210. Brock Purdy, 6'1", 210. Okay. So. Similar and doesn't really matter, but one of them was Mr. Irrelevant. The other guy, and a lot of people forget this, was a third-round draft pick from Notre Dame, right? right? I mean, that's who he was, and I, and I go way back with Joe. I've known him for forever, and, and I love him to death, but here's Joe's first two years. 63%, 5,400 yards, 34 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Okay, Brock Purdy. First two years, 68% completion, 5,600 yards, 44 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. So 
the comparison is not that crazy. And yes, they have a great defense. Yes, they got McCaffrey. Yes, they got Debo Samuel. But I'll tell you what, you go back and you look at those 49er teams that he joined up with, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a bunch of Hall of Famers. And we don't know yet, but there were Hall of Famers everywhere on the offensive line on the, yeah. you know receivers defensive players uh, he, he had a lot of different guys over all those years Deion Sanders all these guys yeah. were there at some point in time and and I'm and I'm not saying he's Joe Montana I'm saying he certainly has a lot of attributes that make him seem like him though I think Charlie loves this he's, I mean what I mean, I'm hearing is I, I think Joe this. Montana was probably a bit overrated <laughs> I think I think I that's gave you the numbers though Charlie the numbers don't lie Rated. And and I will admit, I rolled my eyes first. But to Pete's point, and, and there's a very is a very good point here. Joe Montana had Jerry Rice, had Ronnie Lott, had John Taylor, had um, Roger Craig. Had I mean, a great tight end from from Ohio State who went to four Super Bowls yeah, with him. Who yeah. then was I know him well because John Frank was his name. John was was an unbelievable player, and John uh, ended up going to be a doctor. He quit football. Yeah, he goes, look, I've done what I wanted to do. I'm going to finally become a doctor. I mean, so and if you he give, had, and he was all pro. If you give Brock Purdy that cast, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he, Christian McCaffrey's an upgrade, and Debo's great. Is phenomenal. Is he Jerry Rice? No. Uh, do they have a? a, a a receiver of the quality of Jerry Rice? No. So I don't hate I, – I, I love the compare. Listen, the comparison's fun, right? It's, it's great. But um, obviously longevity has a lot to do with it. Yeah. I, I'm continually amazed, and I know we, we got to go to break, so we'll talk about this later. But I'm continually amazed at the fact that the two quarterbacks that were playing last night, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. You have Jordan Love, who, who they got late, and he got to sit and wait and learn. And and this is a question that we'll uh, we'll dive into a little bit later in our first hour, which is, how does the rest of the NFL not look at the Jordan Loves of the world and 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 even the Brock Purdy's? Although Brock, for this, we'll take him out of this one. the The concept of being able to come into the league and watch and learn and what that does for your ability to play quarterback in the NFL, it's so rare to me, Pete. And yes, C.J. Stroud, I love him. He was phenomenal yesterday. And, and right, frankly, he's phenomenal all season. But to me, there's way more quarterbacks who get thrown in immediately who don't succeed. But this, this concept of, okay, let's draft our guy while we have our current guy to bring him along. How have more NFL teams not come on and done things like this? And maybe it's just circumstance, right? But the fact that all these teams, you know, you jump up to the first round, and, and I don't want to – I'm getting ahead of myself, but you you you, dra- you jump up in the top of the first round to get a guy and you put him right in, and it doesn't work most of the time. It doesn't work. Right. All right, Charlie's yelling at me. We got to take a break. <laughs> we'll come back. Speaking of things that don't work, revamping Williams Arena mm. again. <laughs> Why I think this is a terrible idea. Coming up next, you'll listen to The Huddle on 830 WCCO. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game! Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Oh, yeah, I'm starting this one off. That's right. We talked about that in the break, didn't we? Didn't we? Did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I only have three fast breaks uh, questions. Uh-oh. You know, we do the fast break at 1030 every single morning. Normally get four, two for each of our guys here, but I've only got three this morning. So I'd love if you have a topic that maybe you don't think we're going to hit on during the show, something you want to ask either Pete or Dave, please text us in. Text it or call it in at the uh, WCCO Talk and Text Line 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. I'll uh, pick out the best one, whatever it may be. So you're asking the audience to do your work. I'm uh, yeah. I, I'm lazy today. <laughs> I, I did three. I was too uh, you know in depth during Blois's show. I love listening it. to the wonderful interviews <laughs> that I didn't have time. So, A lot of politics talk going on in the studio. Big this politics. Morning. Yeah, that's what we love. We love it. Um, Hey, I don't. I don't. If you didn't have the chance to read this this week, there are uh, multiple articles around about University of Minnesota and the uh, possibility of making renovations to Williams Arena, Williams Arena, which is the ninety-six year old home of Gopher basketball. Ninety-six years. Mark Coyle said today. Uh, said this week. Quote: The next logical thing for us to look at is Williams Arena. I get to travel all over to different arenas in the Big Ten. There's no doubt there's things we can do to Williams Arena to help enhance it for not only our student-athletes, but our spectators who come to the games. I, I love Williams Arena. I've been there many times. It is it is beautiful. It is historic. It is has magic and wonderment to it. It's also hideous and dangerous. And, that, frankly, it's one of the things that's holding the University of Minnesota back from getting bigger recruits. And, and I'll just say it because that's the way this goes. If you want to play this game where you want to attract the best players in the game and you want to have them come to your school and you want to have them be here for four years, if you're lucky, because NIL, you'll probably only get them for two, but that's another conversation. <laughs> if you want to have them come here, they have to be wowed. If you're a recruit, if you're 18 years old and you walk in and you see Williams, you go to Williams Arena, you go to Michigan State, you go to Nebraska, you go to any of the other arenas, and you look and you go, wow, look at this place. Look at these workout facilities. Wow. And then you walk into Williams Arena. Hey, look at this court that's four and a half feet off the floor that I could actually destroy my knee and body over if I fall. Hey, let's go down to the locker room that's below everything and where you have to squeeze into it. And I don't even know where the weight room is. I haven't seen it. Renovations are great. They they take time and they can they can really give you a good facelift, but it's ninety six years old, and if you want to compete in the Big Ten and you want to actually get some players, you got to tear that place down or or repurpose it for something else and build a new basketball arena. And you have, to, by the way, you have to do it right now because St. Thomas across the str- across town is building. A, what, $75 million, $175 million, I don't even know, stadium for hockey and basketball, which will absolutely outshine the one you have sitting on campus right now. 
I, I think you bring up a lot of great points. I, I am such a traditionalist. It's so hard for me to let go of it. And I just wonder, uh, is there a possibility? And you'd know better than me, Dave, because you're, you're there far more frequently than me. Um, but I can tell you my memories as a kid and as a player and as a student and even post being a student athlete there at the University of Minnesota, I love the elevated floor. I realize it's a little bit more dangerous, but it's been there forever. Let's be honest. I mean, we're going back into the 70s. I go back into the 70s when we moved from California to Minnesota, and they were putting 18,000 people into that stadium. Every That was their average attendance in the mid-70s, was 17,000 plus, almost 18,000. And then we got down to about 15,000. I mean, that was okay. That was in the 80s and 90s. But we have taken a tank ever since, right? We, we, we have a hard time getting the attendance levels there. When that place was rocking, <laughs> when it was truly the barn, it was like no atmosphere in anywhere in the country. And people could say, well, what about Pauley Pavilion? What, what about this? No, that Minnesota was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And it was Musselman and it was Dutcher. And it was all these yeah. famous coaches that we had over the years. And we would always get into the NCAA tournament, it seemed. And sometimes we'd get into the, you know, the 16, the eight, the four or whatever. Mm-hmm. We were there and we were competitive. But if you can't fill up the stadium that we've got, you've got to figure out how, how is it? Is it just the stadium? Is that why people are going and it's only 7,400 people going to those games? And I don't know the answer to that. And it, and it could be that it's too old, Dave, to your point. They, they obviously have to renovate it. They have to do something or rebuild and find a different spot or whatever to try to get this thing fixed the right way. But the way you fix it is you get a winning team number one, and you get an exciting team. And I go back and you're too young for this. You weren't even living in Minnesota, but (laughs) they used to come running up from the locker room and run through this big, huge uh, thing that they had on the, on the floor as, as the players would get introduced, that place was rocking and it was so loud. And yes, it was Minnesota. It was so loud. You couldn't even think it was unbelievable. And it was probably the most intimidating court in all of basketball for probably the better part of 20 years. Yeah. But it's been a long time since that. And and we haven't been the same kind of basketball team in the last decade that we were either. So we've got to get better players and if it means we have to do something about the court, then we got to do something about the court. Well, and and it's the chicken and the egg, right? Do you get good players and then get the court or do you get the court to get good players? If Tim Brewster knew anything, he did know the yeah. value of putting in a new putting in a new stadium for go for football and what that meant to, to bringing in uh, athletes. And now I'm yeah. getting ripped on the um, WCCO Uh-oh. talking text line by people telling me don't actually, it's just the same person over yeah, and over. Thing. So um, <laughs> they have their own workout floors in the athletes village. And yes, you're right. The athletes village is ginormous. Schwartz. Are you blind? No, I'm not. Uh, and I appreciate the correction, but it still doesn't change the fact that when you go into Williams arena, it's old and dangerous and two, the other really, really big factor, and this is why all these arenas, and I know we got a break, why all these arenas are making changes regardless of the league and the sport, there's no real nice luxury boxes in that arena. And, and right now, that's where you make the money. You make the money in those luxury premium seating areas. And maybe for basketball, that's, that's more on the floor than it is up in a box. But you still don't have that there. Um, and, and it needs that. And so... I just think there's been renovated so many times, and it's a wonderful arena. There's great history. Use it for something else. Repurpose it for something else. Um, but it's time to move on into this century 
and get a new arena and, and make one new. Let's take a break. We'll come back with a fra- fast break. Hopefully you've uh, got some good questions for Charlie. Yeah, let's throw that out one more time. Six, if, f- yeah. 651-461-9226. Yeah. What, uh, what questions you got for Pete and Dave about any topic, any sports topic at all? And please, one of the questions cannot be, is Dave Schwartz blind? We've had that one already. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, we are back. Uh, did you up. ask people to read the questions for you, too, or just to I did send them in? I just asked for If you got a last-second one, maybe yours is better than the one I, I have here, 651-461-9226. Yeah. You make it by the end of this segment. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll get it in there. But let's Love start it. out with Pete. Pete, early enrollees for go for, fo- for the Gopher football team have started their classes for the semester. And the Maroon and Gold have also finally filled their two big coaching holes, defensive coordinator and special teams coordinator. At D.C. comes uh, former James Madison uh, defensive coordinator and Rutgers linebackers coach Corey Heatherman. And over on the special teams side, we have a longtime coach, Bob Ligashevsky, who's joining the team. He most recently is coming from Syracuse as their special team coordinator, but he has been Absolutely everywhere. I mean, you look at his resume. He has been in the NFL, Bowling Green, Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Buccaneers, uh, special teams coordinator in the NFL for quite a long time, uh, as well as a bunch of other places. Pete, very simple question for you. How do you grade these two hires for Golden Gopher football? It's always tough with special teams, but I think when you talk about the D.C., uh, I think all of what this gentleman has accomplished is something worthwhile for us that – it, it's always difficult until you, you see them in person, you get a chance to watch them in person. But I, I, I can tell you this, James Madison has been a phenomenal program for quite a while. And I think a lot of that is attributed to the coaching and obviously the recruiting they've been able to make there. So I would think that that, that really would fit well. And if it's somebody that obviously uh, coaches is, is comfortable with, I think it's, it's going to be the right hire. Now, does everything he do, does as a coach, as a defensive coordinator – makes sense with the players that we've got because that's one of the things that I find always the most important is you've got to have a coach who understands who he's got as players what is our strength what is our weakness and how do we you know use it to the best of our abilities and I I think a guy like this really does fit into something um, that could give us something very good on the defensive side and it's not that we've lacked a lot of defense we've probably lacked some of the play calling at times even offensively but I'm looking forward to see what this defense looks like uh, during spring ball. Yeah, he allegedly runs the same base set as Joe Rossi did, so no big changes expected like there were with uh, Brian Flores coming in for the Vikings. He's also a protege of, of course, Shiano out at Rutgers and uh, Horacey Mayak. I I can never say the name. (laughs) Former uh, Gopher coach as well who's now out at Rutgers as their D.C. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to add. Pete is way smarter about football than no. I am. He, there's nothing <laughs> else I can add. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on then. Dave, we're in the heart of the NFL coaching carousel. We've already kind of gone through what we think to be most of the NCAA coaching carousel, but we're in the NFL uh, with, of course, Bill Belichick interviewing in Atlanta, Jim Harbaugh in L.A., among other places, but a lot of other Good coaches interviewing at a lot of places as well, including young offensive coordinator Ben Johnson from the Lions getting interviews uh, around the league, and even Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slovic. Uh, so, Pete, uh, I'm sorry, Dave, my question for you, give me one coach you would want on your team if you are in a full rebuild. Give me another coach you want as your head coach if you are looking to compete immediately. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, if I'm not in full rebuild mode, 
This is tough because, I, I mean, the easy answer is Bill Belichick, right? I mean, It is. That seems the guys, like the softball. but the, it, It's an easy answer. But there's a couple things wrong with this. Number one, he is going, he is going to want more control over everything than I think any general manager and or even owner is going to want to give them because he's Bill Belichick, right? I mean, the fact that he's, the fact that he's even interviewing multiple times against Jim Harbaugh in Atlanta, like, are you kidding me? The first question Bill Belichick should walk in and say, here's my Super Bowl rings. Call me if you want me. I'll see you later. I mean, he's Bill Belichick. Uh, so, but I, I also think that there, there's there's a downside to that, and I and I think the latter years proved to us that Bill Belichick, as good of a coach as he was, was not as good as Tom without Tom Brady. But Tom Brady could get things done without Bill Belichick, and and that will be what it comes down to when you think about all the things that Bill Belichick does. It, it's that okay, there's a doubt here. There is a doubt that this team that he was not as good without Brady. So, but if I'm gonna if I'm not in a rebuild and I want to win right now and I have a pretty good quarterback, Bill Belichick's my guy. If I'm in a rebuild, I'm probably going a little bit younger. Uh, I will tell you one of the guys that I've been who's not on that list that I've been really uh, impressed with is Aaron Glenn uh, in Detroit. I don't know if he's ready for a head coaching job yet, but I, I really like the way that he's been that the way that he does things. He's very smart. His defense has been great. The way he's coached is good. So maybe one of those two guys. But, I mean, if, if I want to win now, Belichick's the easy answer. I'll tell you who I'm not going after. I'm tired of Jim Harbaugh. Tired of him. Because he's not going to go anywhere. We all know he's going back to Michigan. He does this every year. Pete, what do you got? I'm going to say I love what he I love what Dave gets to that level. Um I agree with everything except for the last thing that Dave said. So it, Belichick, I think, is the right guy for the right situation, but he is not in he is not in it for the rebuild because a his age, I think, alone yeah. would be one of those reasons. That after 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 saying that, I'll, I will say this though, Dave. So about Harbaugh, and I know you get frustrated with him, but the guy took a San Diego team, University of San Diego team. And won two championships almost in no time at all. In Stanford, a team that never, ever used to go to bowl games, he goes to a couple of bowl games and wins an Orange Bowl. 49ers were terrible. He rebuilt them. They went to a Super Bowl. They lost to his brother. Uh, he goes to Michigan. Michigan was really on a down spot. Yeah. And he goes to Michigan and creates now, becoming closer and closer to a dynasty. I know you don't like that use, Charlie, but <laughs> it, it is. But... You know, last year, it was the TCU game, right? They were in a shootout, huge game, monstrous game. They were on the wrong side of it. That's not Michigan football normally. But this year, Michigan football didn't have anything. They didn't lose. They they were unbelievable all year. They were incredible to watch. They had the best offensive line, a great quarterback, great special guys on all sides of the ball, um, and all built by Jim Harbaugh. So I think you're doing a rebuild. Jim could do it, and in two years, you're in the Super Bowl. But you know he's not coming back. He, he, he's not I think doing he's it. going to L.A. I think he's going to the Charger. I'm going to tell you why. He loves the quarterback. He can make that quarterback a lot better than the previous coach. And the pieces are there. They have some age on defense. But I was looking at this the other day. The pieces are all there for Harbaugh to say, all right, first year we're going to do this, second year Super Bowl. End of story. And I think that's how close they are. The only reason he goes to the NFL is, because, is if Michigan – truly can't make the money work to give him a new contract. Because that's what this is. This is all him doing public tours, showing up at the playoff game on the sideline with his brother. It, this is all him 
trying to get himself a better contract at Michigan. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But we do th- we go through this. I feel like it's every year, and it happened here before Kevin <laughs> O'Connell got here. He's making seven and a half million bucks a year. He he probably deserves a raise based on that, and the fact that they only put one hundred and twelve thousand people into that stadium yeah. seven times a year. So I, you know, and it's. It's because of him and and people's love of him. Even when he's got six games that he isn't the head coach on the sidelines, right? So I think that his biggest headache right now is, I got to deal with the NCAA. The hell with the NCAA. I'm going to the pro football because that's who I am. So, I mean, I believe that that's right now the biggest holdup in the contract talks. At least that's what has been reported is he wants some sort of assurances from Michigan that uh, he's got a bit of immunity from these NCAA investigations. He doesn't want to deal with that anymore. And uh, Mm -hmm. Michigan has yet to put that in writing. Uh, so yeah, why we'll, would that's see. a tough one. I don't think you can. It's, it is. <laughs> so we'll they? see. That might that might end up in L.A. Pete, we're taking a bit of a left turn back to you. I know you're a big Uh-oh. downhill skier. <laughs> so why not throw this in here? Michaela Schifrin won her 95th career race today in Slovakia. This is, of course, uh, after top rival Petra. What, what's the laugh? I'm trying to picture Pete skiing. Wait, I was a big skier. Hey, I was a skier. I, I believe really it. Oh. I'm just saying if I was going down the ski hill – and I saw you coming behind me at top speed, I would just fall to get out of the way. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Uh, Well, her biggest rival, Petra Vilhova, yes, I said that correctly, injured her knee and was ruled out for the year earlier this week. Pete, Michaela's been doing this consistently now for just about a decade, 95 wins. Where does Michaela Schifrin rank for you on the all-time great American skiers? Ah, uh, that's uh, it's 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 somewhere up in the stratosphere for sure, right? Uh, it's incredible because to be able to do that, guys, for as long as mm-hmm. as she has done this, and I, and I'm I used to be a skier, I used to be a racer, I was not downhill, I was slalom and giant slalom and that type of thing. But my son was the captain over really? at Creighton Durham Hall of the ski team, as a matter of fact, when he was going to school here. So. Uh, we have a lot of ties into this whole skiing world, but, and my brother just got back from skiing over in Spain for the last 10 days, that son of a gun, but <laughs> this is impressive. Uh, but your knees start to, at some point it, it's, it, it gets to be too much. And I don't know when that point comes, but for her to be able to do it for a decade, um, and probably longer, absolutely. She's got to be somewhere up there. Is she above? I don't know. Uh, Nelson or some of the other gals in the in the past that Peak were unreal. Street. Yep. Uh, yep. yep. Uh, Lindsay Vaughn. It, but but think about it. She's been doing this longer than they were doing it. This is that's an amazing yeah, run that she's and been on. She's more she's more healthy too. I Lindsay yeah. Vaughn near the end of her career as good as she was. I mean, yep. she was being held together with, you know, uh, the, the tape and rubber bands and paper yeah. clips. Yeah, Schifrin came yeah. out at a young age and really yeah. started dominating, where Vaughn took a little bit longer maybe to, to hit that peak, and so her peak was a little bit older in age, so she got injured a little bit more at the end. Pete, love your ski takes. Dave, you, you got any, any last big ski takes here for me? I, I would love to see Pete slalom down. Could you do it anymore? Could you, can you slalom? I mean, can you... My knees are shot, but I can still do it. I can't do moguls. No. I cannot do moguls. My knees are shot. Do you just tuck and go straight down? I mean, you know, the I'll sheer you physics of you tucking and flying down the ski slope. I mean, like, that's pretty – I'm impressed, man. I haven't skied in, like, 20 years, and I don't. I think I'd be too afraid to do it again. 
I like to be that kind of pretty boy style, though. I go real sort of semi-slow and just make sure that my my feet are never more than an inch apart and just kind of <laughs> That's exactly smoke my way down. That's Can what I, I guess like the do. color of your exactly ski jacket? Because I feel like <laughs> 70s it's, a, style. it's a teal, oh, yeah. red, orange combo. Your hair's <laughs> flowing. Do you, you, what hair I have. To, what's what you have left? Yeah. You just you got Ski Bunny written all over you, brother. I'll tell you. It, it, it works for you. I will tell you this. The coat that I chose about 10 years ago that I still use every time I ski to yeah. this day, my son always threatens that I will not ski with you if you're going to wear that. But, <laughs> I mean, so that gives great. you a little bit of an idea of what kind of outfits I go out I love in. It. I, love it. <laughs> I love that, Pete. We're going to have to ski sometime. Yeah. Let's uh, do it. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's finish this up here, Dave. This is just our last quick one. we yeah. got to get it done. It's looking more and more likely that Joe Maurer will be inducted into the Hall of Fame yeah. on the first ballot. It's not a sure thing by any means, but based on the ballots that have been publicly released thus far, he's in very good position to do so. Assuming that Joe Maurer does, in fact, make it into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot, who is the next twin to make it into the Hall of oh, Fame? Oh, man, that's a great wow. question. Uh, well, first of all, uh, and this is we'll talk about this next hour, I hate the fact that we have all these ballots. I voted to this. I voted to that. Can't we just keep it a surprise? Like, we have so many few surprises anymore with the way the world is. Couldn't we just all find out together? Uh, who's the next twin that goes in the Hall of Fame? Okay, here you go. Ron Gardenhire. Oh, Ron right. Gardenhire and his teams in that that 2010s era, and you look, you think about the guys. I know, I know, you're going. You got to be kidding me. No playoff wins. I mean that that's a part of it. But look that's at the teams that he. Look at the guys he. Sure. I mean, Nick Punto, Jason Kubel. Yes, he had Maurer and Morneau. Nick Blackburn. I mean, these were not amazing guys. Piranhas. Who the Piranhas? Yeah. But he, he made it work in the 163s. I just – the way Gardy managed it, and he had personalities, he had people, and it worked. I'll say I'll say Ron Gardenhire's next in. I love Gardy. He's the hall of very good, but no playoff wins. He had some good teams, never incredible teams. I, I can't see it happening. Pete, what do you think? Torrey Hunter, end of story. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> – I guess I missed that one. No, uh, no. I don't think Tori ever makes it. Maybe in the really no no no. no? no. Oh the guy come only on! Had nine consecutive he's golden never, gloves. I mean, that's a pretty yeah. Impressive but he's, thing. he doesn't have the offensive. He doesn't have the statistics. I, I don't yeah. think he's even going to be close. To be honest with you, I think he's off the ballot after a year or two. Wow, he had two silver sluggers. I love Tori Hunter. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Forget, I, I like him too. Great with the media, and that I, makes a big difference. Yep. Yeah, yep. I just that helps. It, it helps. <laughs> All right, we're gonna let's clip that and save it too, so that when he when he does make it, we can play it. All right, we'll take a quick break. Wrap up hour number one. You're listening to the huddle. Just chatting about the next twin to be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, Pete said uh, Tory Hunter. Charlie said there's no way he's even on the ballot next year, but you and I were talking to break Charlie about if there's anybody on the current team. And I, I, I mean, other than Carlos Correa and maybe if Royce Lewis turns out to keep going where he is, I could see that. Uh, but to me, there's nobody. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, you There's throw nobody. out young guys, right? You, you could say Pablo Lopez if he keeps going, you know, on the upward trajectory of his career. But it would be, you know, you're throwing darts at some young guys hoping yeah. they have incredible careers. I mean, Correa is the logical, but yes, he's he probably not going to go in as a twin. 
And Depends how long he is here and what he does here. We'll see. We'll see. All right. It is the end of hour number one. Take a break. Coming up in hour number two, Chip Scoggins is going to join us about an awesome article he wrote this week. We'll talk to him about that and more next. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 